Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and you're all around hiring guru. And I have such a treat for you today. Has anyone heard of Secret Knock? Well, let me introduce you and welcome Dr. Greg Reed, keynote speaker, author, film producer, and founder of one of the most sought after networking events, Secret Knock. He is an entrepreneur known for his giving spirit and a knack for translating complicated situations into simple, digestible concepts. He's a multiple award-winning author and film producer and demonstrates demonstrating his own unique abilities to share stories and be able to entertain and inspire others so to just to absolute greatness. And I'm going to tell you a quick story after I get him on the podcast with us. Dr. Greg Reed, how in the world are you? Amazingly great. And by the way, when you're showing that beginning B-roll, it's so cool to see all my friends up there. It looks like uh, we run in the same circle. So... All of them? Bob Berg, Will, Amelia Antonetti, uh, Hal Elrod? Uh, absolutely. Dave Meltzer and I started our first mastermind group together. Uh, Bob Berg was just on a little uh, segment I did two weeks ago. It's so, so cool to see uh, the cool kids getting together. I love that. I love that so much. You know, um, I, I will tell you a quick story because, and I know you love books. And that was another story I was going to tell because when you came to Success North Dallas and so graciously spent your time with us, you also brought, I don't know, 20 books with you. Is that the right count? Yeah, probably something like that. The yeah. Whole idea, yeah, when we do a presentation, we like to give away the book so people can be uh, you know, exposed to something maybe they don't have in their success library. That is so amazing. And before I had always given two books away. So I, I, I do a lot of investing in young executives, especially those that are just graduating from college or even if I can catch them before then, because I think that that's the time when you can form who they are, just like with you do, you do with your son, Colt. I, I think it's amazing some of the things that you've done with him. And I would love to meet that young man someday. But the two of the books that I give away that were most transformational for me was The Miracle Morning, by Hal Elrod, changed my life, and then The Go-Giver, because it really put into an understanding what it is. I always knew that I was a giver, but I didn't understand why, and that helped me find my why for that, so I thought that was so interesting. So um, I love to start off the podcast telling people how we met. Well, I think it goes way back, actually, because again, six degrees of separation, but I had a great opportunity come out and speak to your folks in Dallas, Texas just recently and build some new bonds and relationships that I have a feeling will be life and long lasting. It's pretty amazing. Texas people are, are absolutely out of this world. I like to think so, you know, and we've got a really tight knit organization, Success North Dallas that you spoke at. And, you know, we only have the best of the best speakers at our events. So thank you for being one of those best of the best speakers. You know, and I read something the other day about Secret Knock. I think I read it in Forbes that says that Secret Knock is one of the top three networking events that you should attend. 
Well, actually, it says that you cannot attend. <laughs> what? That's our whole no. Thing. Yeah, we're the, we're the greatest event you cannot attend. You have to. There's not where one place in the world you could go buy a ticket online. It, it can't be done. So you have to know somebody, be invited, or you know have some type of access, and then you fill out an application. Then someone calls you to make sure you're not a wackerdoodle, <laughs> and then we bring into our circle. But here's the best part: it costs five grand to attend, and we will not tell you where it is or who will be there. Absolutely nothing. We just tell you the city, state, and date, so you can make flight reservations, and then it's a surprise from there. That is so cool. I am definitely wanting to attend one of those events very soon. I've actually, you've been on my radar for several years and I don't think you even knew it because we connected randomly on LinkedIn. And then when Bill started talking about you, Bill Wallace, I was like, I went back on LinkedIn. I was like, well, I'm just going to message him since he's just speaking. I'm like, we're already connected on LinkedIn. How did this happen? And I went back through and we, I can't remember who connected us. Maybe it was Scott Sims. Yeah, it could have been. And again, birds of a feather flock yes. together. That's the coolest little thing. Six degree of separation. You know, it's interesting. When we started doing our events, the concept was I got so frustrated seeing these coaches and teachers and mentors sharing real life practical success principles, yet they've never done it themselves. They're teaching it. Those who can do, those who can't teach. And I said, wouldn't it be cool if we did a live event where we only brought in the person, the individual who did, what everyone else is talking about. So if you want to start a clothing line over at the taco bar, there's Brian Smith, founder of Ugly Boots. Over here, if you got a board game, here's the guy who did Pictionary. If you got a new idea for a nonprofit, here's a gentleman who invented Make-A-Wish Foundation. Where could we be by surrounding ourselves with people who are doing what everyone else is just dreaming about? I, and I think that's so beautiful. And you know, one of my questions for you is, how do you get in the right room with those people because that's you've got to be very intentional that doesn't happen by accident yeah well again i just look for people i'd want to hang out with i got a really simple common sense rule of thumb here it is surround yourself with people you have respect for mm. not people you have influence over i'll say again surround yourself with people you have respect for not people you have influence over your life will never be the same so there's a big difference between seeking counsel and people's opinion i think we talked about this at the event successful people seek counsel folks have already attained what everyone else is dreaming where you know maybe opinion is based on ignorance lack of knowledge like your family friends around the family barbecue have never done it when i went to write my best-selling book i went and told all my uncles and they told me not to do it why well i'm dyslexic i'm learning you know challenge plus they've never written a best-selling book so I hung out with Mark Victor Hansen who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul and he said, hey, here's what you want to know and gave me counsel based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship. If we would spend our activity only seeking counsel and ignoring opinion, life will never be the same. It, so that's so, I'm so glad you brought that up because you're very vocal about the fact that you have dyslexia and yet you've written, what is it, a, over 150 books? Well, I wouldn't say I've written them. <laughs> oh, but, okay. <laughs> They're your concepts. <laughs> yeah, so here, 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 here's the way it works. I have been published in over 150 books. Now, I could have written a foreword and afterward. They interviewed me. I authored. I co-authored. Somehow I got in there. And it was really, really interesting to have your words published in that many different you know, titles around the world. And what's really, really neat is sometimes when your heroes become your friends, the very first person, uh, famous person to give me a... a, a endorsement is a guy named Brian Tracy. Oh, and Brian, Brian Tracy is one of my all-time all idols. 
And when his latest book just came out and it hit all the newsstands, my endorsement for his book was on the back of his book cover. The circle of life Simba moment, you know? That is really amazing. And so going back to, if I remember correctly, when you were talking about this dyslexia, you also talked about the number of failures that you had before you got your first book published. How many times was it yeah. rejected? I'll actually show it to you. No one okay. gets to see this. What? But since I'm at home, I, since yeah, I'm at home, give me one second. Okay. Right here. So when you write a book, you do something called a query letter. It says who you are, what's your message, why an expert who's going to read your book. I sent eight of these query letters out every single week. And I get eight responses the next week saying, you're dyslexic, you can't spell, you'll never be an author. <laughs> and I was turned down by 268 publishers, agents, printers in a row until the 269th one said, we'll do your book. Just change the title, beginning, middle, and it was horrible. So I got a ghostwriter, recrafted it, and it went on to inspire lives of tens of millions of people. But here's cool. Boom. These are all my rejection letters. Oh These my God. That told me every reason why I would never make it as an author. And what's neat about that is those same people are coming to me asking me for my latest book projects today. That is insane that you still have that and you have it right there. Does that serve as inspiration to you? Even at the time I did, I never took it personal. You know, it's like the 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 the, the four agreements type of thing. I never took it personal. I knew I had these challenges. I just didn't know how it worked. So when they said to get a ghostwriter, and they did, and I recrafted it, it was amazing because I would say a boy wants a bike. He gets off his backside, takes his dad's lawnmower, mows lawns, makes money. Now he has a bike. They would come back and say, it was a glorious Sunday afternoon when a young, bright-eyed lad caught the entrepreneurial spirit as he went outside, <laughs> right? And they wouldn't make it into a book form. And so I worked my strengths, and I hired my weaknesses. And one book, uh, one quote from that book was shared an estimated 37 million times. It says, a dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken into steps becomes a plan. A plan backed by action makes your dreams come true. A famous quote shared 37 million times came from a book turned down that many times. That is insane. That is insane. So what, what was the title of your first book? It was called The Millionaire Mentor. I'll see if I get one of these copies. Right yeah, because I don't have yeah, that was, one. Well, I'll have to send it to you as soon as uh, we get back. I just had a big event here, so everyone kind of scavenged all my books, but <laughs> I'll send you one when, we, when we're done. Okay, perfect. Well, I want to talk about Three Feet from Gold because I had been hearing about this book for so long. But a lot of times when people tell you the name of the book, they don't necessarily tell you the author, right? They'll just say, oh, you got to go read this book. And then... Right. You show up at Success North Dallas and you have three feet from gold. And remember you were giving them away. And I was like, no, I want that one. I want that one. And you're like, we'll put this one back over here for now. And, and I was like, you wrote that book. Are you kidding me? So can you tell yeah, okay. kind of, kind of, Well, talk about that. Even Bob Burke, he and I were just talking the other day. It seems like the go giver and three feet from gold are usually listed in the top 10 you know, personal development books of modern day that you need to read. And it's really neat that, uh, you know, we get to have a little yin and yang. And Three Feet from Gold is a story about a gold miner who literally gave up three feet away from the largest strike. And it seems that most people quit right before the miracle happens. You know, first there's a dream, then there's a challenge, and then comes victory. 
unfortunately, most people quit in the challenging times and they never get to see their concept come to fruition. How many times have we had a million dollar idea in the shower and by the time we brush our teeth, it's down the drain to see it on the billboard 10 years later. The only difference between you and that person is one person acting. You know, that's so interesting that you say that because I've got a big moment coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm about to be a published author and I'm having my first book launch. But there were so many times along the way when I'm like, this is too hard. This Nobody's going to buy the book. Nobody's going to want to see what I've produced. And so I, I feel like, and I think that's why Three Feet from Gold resonated with me so much because it would have been really easy to stop at any point from finishing that book. But now, I mean, we've got a go live date. It's real. I got too many boxes of these books in my house right now. <laughs> so that's true. They got to go. Great. Exactly. It's going time. <laughs> and you know what's interesting? There's so many ways to use a book. Look, there's not a lot of revenue and money in books. They're, they're just, a, but you can use it as a tool to open up the doors of opportunity. For example, you know, from being in this best selling book, for example, people pay $5,000 to come to my secret knock now to meet all the people that I talked about in the book. Same note is that you can use it as coaching, you can use it as an authoritative, you know, leverage piece. So there's many different ways to use your book in ways that exceed just the actual written word itself. Well, and I also wanted to bring up that, I mean, not only did you write this book, but this was actually commissioned under the Napoleon Hill Foundation, correct? Correct, yeah. So basically the short version is 1908, Napoleon Hill was given this letter of introduction by Carnegie to meet all of his friends and wrote Think and Grow Rich. A hundred years later, uh, the Napoleon Hill Foundation uh, and the grandkids wrote the same type letter and they gave it to me. And so I had a Willy Wonka ticket to meet anyone on earth. And now it's, you know, kept going and kept going and kept going. And it's pretty neat to be able to actually sit down and go face to face with people like Steve Wozniak, who created Apple computers with jobs. Uh, just got done doing a sit down, believe it or not, with Carol Baskin from the Tiger King saying, hey, let me tell you my side of the story. I've never even met this Joey Gotti yet, right? We've had President Vicente Fox tell us how George Bush tried to trick him to go to war to Edward Snowden hiding in Russia doing a private Skype telling his version of the you know, things that how it went down. And it's very interesting to get information directly from the source. And that's why we started doing our live events. I said, I'm so tired of people getting whitewashed information. What would it be like to go face to face, knees to knees, and talk to someone about their life directly from the person who's living? Well, and I love that you said that, say that, and you asked a question at Success North Dallas that I thought was really interesting. And you were like, you know, how many people said no to Carnegie before Napoleon Hill said yes? And then you asked how many of you in the room would have gone with me to these meetings? And I'm like, I would have gone. And you're like, no, you wouldn't. None of y'all would have, you know? And why do you say that? Is, is it because we are in, inherently averse to risk or I, I wish I had the answer, but again, not one person, even from that Dallas event, signed up to come with us to the next secret knock. It, it's just, it's mind boggling to me. However, it is what it is. And I stopped taking it personal again, back to the, the four agreements. So I started to surround myself again with people that are ready to step out of that comfort zone and do things differently. Because we can sit there and say, we're a reflection of the five people we hang around and all the cliches, but they also say, where do you hang out and find those new people? I said, I'll just create a little melting pot of those people so they can come to. I noticed these big events, these arena 
events they do mm-hmm. nowadays. There's 10,000 folks, but there's only 300 really amazing people. I invite those 300 people to my events, and we have a collaboration like people have never seen. Well, and I know um, Amelia Antonetti has been one of those. I believe she's, she's spoken at your events oh, yeah. before, and she is actually in Dallas right now and about to do an event for me tomorrow night. So I'm super excited. She's just amazing. Her and Patricia, just absolutely over the top, cool people. Uh, in fact, we did a secret knock women and they did a thing with my former wife. I know it sounds crazy, but I've got the greatest ex-wife in the world. And so she runs secret knock women today, uh, along with I do the regular secret knock. So we'll have to talk to her about that because the event that we're doing tomorrow night with Amelia is Women in Success. So it's our women's initiative through Success North Dallas. So maybe there's some synergies there. Yeah, I like it. We go together like shopping a right? <laughs> so I wanted, you had mentioned grit at the meeting. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about grit. What is grit to you? Well, stickability is one of my best-selling books through the Think and Grow Rich series. And it's all about, you know, stickability. You have got to stick with your goals, dreams, desires. And it's the one common theme and desire that I kept realizing with all these amazing people I interviewed. The very first person was Dave Linegar, founder of uh, Remax Real Estate. And I said, did you want to quit? He says, all the time. And I said, why didn't you? And again, that stickability came into play. He said, for two years, every phone call that came in was from a bill collector. When the phone would ring, I'd run across the hall and pick it up so my poor receptionist wasn't put in the middle. The third year, it got so bad, they threw me in jail, calling me a fraud and a liar. He said, I had the courage to pick up the phone that was calling me before they could ring and say, hey, I'll be honest, all the money's gone. I don't got 50 grand I owe you, but I got 50 bucks. Let me send it to you with a promise I won't quit. He said, don't give up on me. I won't give up on my dreams. He said, I called every bill collector every month before they could ring me and on the Fourth year, someone bought the first franchise called Remax Real Estate. He says, I'm nothing, but how many people's lives were changed because I wouldn't quit? That is, I love that story. And, you know, and I think that that would be such a good message. I think I'm going to cut that clip out and, and just share that, like, with our young executives. Because, and just like I told you just earlier, there were so many times along this so the book i'm publishing is actually a journal so it's an interactive Mm. work and there's so many times along the way that i was just like this is too much this is too complicated i don't know how to get all of my thoughts in one place but had i quit i wouldn't have what i personally think is going to be a game changer for a lot of people just because of so many books that i've read and i put those strategies and processes into one book um it was the journal that i wanted for me and so I, i love that and i think that so many times in our lives, we do just quit and we, we need to forge forward. So I love absolutely, that. Absolutely. absolutely. Again, what if I would have quit, you know, my first book after 50 rejections or 80 rejections or 100 or 212 or 242. But by keeping going, literally, my work has inspired millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people. And so it's your duty and responsibility to follow your knowing. What does that mean? I don't think your hope or your wish or your belief or your vision board, but when you know in your heart of hearts you're on to something, never let someone talk you out of what you know to be true. That is so good right there. It's it, it's almost like when Simon uh, Sinek talks about finding your why, but I like oh, that yeah. better. 
It's the knowing. It's the knowing now, deep I, down. And also knowing that the way it's delivered probably will not be the packaging we expected. And I would sit there and say, what if God in the universe granted every wish and every prayer, but we didn't like the packaging, so we sent it on its way. We sit there and said, God, I need $100, please. I need 100 bucks." Your next door neighbor says, hey, man, I got all these aluminum cans on the side of the house. Mm. Take them off my hands, cash them in. They're worth $100. You're going to say, I don't want those stinky things. Well, you asked, you prayed, it was delivered, but you didn't like the packaging, so you didn't receive. Well, that tells our God, the universe, momentum, whatever you want to call it, the laws of physics and energy, that we don't have a state of gratitude. So therefore, the next time we ask, it might not be delivered at all. So I'm very cautious of what I asked for because I might just get it, but it might not be the packaging I'm expecting. Another little knowledge bomb. That is so good about the not the package not being what you're expecting. And and I, I you're just like blowing my mind. I thought I'd learned everything I could from you the other day, but now you're just like dropping more wisdom. This is beautiful. What is some guidance that you might give someone that's just starting out as an entrepreneur? Again, I'm going to go back to seek counsel and not opinion. Surround yourself with people that are getting the results you want. Look, when I wanted to be a best-selling author, I went to Barnes & Noble, and I went to the best-selling book section. I didn't go to the best-written book section. I'm dyslexic. That's not my skill set. I went to the best-selling section, and I called every single one of those people and said, teach me the trick. Teach me the racket. What's the system? How does this work? And they did, and that's why we are here today. When I wanted to make a major motion picture, again, I said, who's won an Oscar? Who's won an Emmy? Who's won a Golden Globe? And I went and sat down with them and asked them the exact process, and I duplicated it for myself. We can have and do anything we want as long as we surround ourselves with people who have already accomplished it. We don't want to reinvent the wheel. We just want to put a new hubcap on it. Okay, so that brings me to my next question. So. Um, you, you said that you would go to those best-selling authors and you would see who they were and then you'd call them and ask them how they did it or those producers. A lot of people feel like they don't have that kind of access to those kind of people. Did you have access well, at the time? No, I never did. Look, everyone watching this, you've never heard of me. Same thing when I call these people. No one's ever heard of me. I, but I do it with a thing called specificity. And I don't know if that's right because I'm dyslexic, but you get the idea I'm specific. So here's my rule of thumb. If I want to get to the president of NASCAR. I don't know anything about NASCAR, but I want to get to that guy. I'm going to say, hey, Mike, I need uh, 12.5 minutes of your time. That's it. I'll cover all my own costs and expense to come to you from the time I open the door till the time I leave will be 12 and a half minutes. I'll start a stopwatch. I'm asking you one simple question, X, Y, Z. The chance of him coming from his office down the break room to do that is so high. But in today's world, people say, I want to pick your brain. I want to take you to lunch. Let me buy you a coffee. No one wants that time and no one has that energy. But having that specificity opens up the doors. It's the same thing when I'm on stage and I get on. And there's thousands of people and they want to take pictures and autographs. It's amazing. And they say the nicest thing. How can I work with you? How can I be of contribution? How can I be of service? I don't have 30 minutes for a resume check. Compared to that, to someone says, dude, love your talk. I saw your Instagram. You got millions of followers. I make those cool little Instagram memes. Let me send you one. If you like it, maybe you'll use me. Eight seconds. I know who you are, what you do. You got my cell phone. We're in contact. That's how I open up the doors using this specificity. That is such good advice. And, and really, you know, because we're recruiters and we're helping people find jobs, that is really good advice for someone who doesn't want to be just lumped in with all the resumes that get submitted, go find that hiring manager and be very specific like that and set yourself apart from the other candidates. 
Yeah, and look for the look for the system, look for the hook, look for the trick. Every business has got one. And then once you learn it, it's like easy. I'll give you an example, and I'm making this up. If you want to learn how to get a basketball into the hoop, the professional is going to say, hey, what you do is put backspin. You, you spin it backwards. And what happens when it hits the backboard, it automatically goes down into the basket. Simple little trick, but until you know that, you don't know that. You just go flat. Well, every single thing in life has got one of those tricks. So I got to sit down with a guy named Jules who started a company called Showtime Television. Everyone's seen it you know, on TV. And I said, what's this trick to Hollywood? What am I missing? I've spent all these years and I'm, everyone's telling me yes, but I'm not getting anywhere. And he says, well, in Hollywood, a yes is a no. A no is a no. A maybe is all you're looking for. And I said, explain. If you go to Hollywood and they go, yes, sounds great. We're going to make you a star. Get in the back of the limo. It's $14 million. That's just no. They're pushing you off. If someone says no is a no, but someone says, hey, that sounds like a logical idea. Let's book a meeting with the studio. We'll all come together and see if we can come together and do something. That's it. So now every time I went to Hollywood and I was making my first major film, everyone would say, here's what I'm doing. They go, yeah, sounds great. We're going to do this. I go, hey, thank you very much. I already knew what that answer was. And finally, until people said, sounds great. Let's sit down with these people and make it happen. I think it was seven months later from learning this trick. That film was made and actually made the ballad for the Oscars. That is amazing. <laughs> and, and again, is that stick sticktivity? No, how did you say stick, it? Stickability. 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 Uh, so I know we are getting close to time, but I did want to ask you, kind of switch gears, and ask you for the best piece of parenting advice you ever received. Mm. Again, be careful what you say because <laughs> it might come back and. And haunt you. It's so funny. Just recently, my son and I were throwing parties right after, you know, all the COVID stuff hit. And I said, hey, let's do ourselves a favor and clean up the house a little bit. And I said, go upstairs, make your bed, clean things up and whatnot. About 15 minutes later, his best friend comes down with a handful of cash and gives it to his dad and says, hey, put this in the bank for me. And I said, where'd you get that? He said, from your son, Colt. And I said, well, why did he give you that money? He says, well, he hired me to make his bed, to clean up his room and take out the truck. <laughs> and I called him down and says, Cole, I go, why did you do that? And he said, dad, you taught me to work my strengths and hire my weaknesses. And he goes, I hired him to do that because I had other things to do. <laughs> I love that so much. And I think one other thing that you do is that you don't pay him to do what he doesn't want to do, like his allowance. You pay him to do what he wants to do and then ask him to take care of the other things just like that, right? So doesn't he like exactly. create your TikToks? Well, well, that's the whole idea. So we don't focus on working our strengths and hiring or duplicating or collaborating with our weaknesses. And that is the key to personal achievement. For example, Bob Berg teamed up with John Mann, who is an amazing ghostwriter. Together, they collaborated on The Go-Giver. First book that John ever put his name on and together they created magic. There's so many ways to do things. So for example, I don't pay my son money for allowance to do things like mow the lawn and pick up the weeds and the dog poop because those are things he doesn't like to do. I say, hey, you're really good at making these TikTok videos and Instagram stuff. So why don't I pay your allowance based on something you excel at? And how about you do these other chores and we'll call it contribution for living in this amazing estate ocean view property and living the life that you do. And it changed the paradigm. So now when he comes up to me and the brand new Jordans come out, he says, Hey dad, how many TikToks can I make you to get these new shoes? 
and it changes our dialogue, our conversation, and now he's teaching other kids to do the same. I, I love that. I, I just wish I hadn't already raised my kids because I totally would have implemented that. That's such genius right there. All right. So before I let you go, I do want to ask you our three VIP questions, and I'm very, very curious to see how you're going to answer them. And I cannot believe you've stayed sitting this entire interview. Well, except for one time you got yeah. I, I'm kind of shocked, too, to be honest with you. It's pretty good. I know. You're usually jumping on chairs and dancing Wait, I around. Did get up to, I did get up to go get these, so I, I guess that's my, my break. Okay. <laughs> All right. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Great question. Hmm. I'm going to go with I would bring an oxygen machine because that's the first thing we're going to want to have. I bring in trees as many as possible to plant so we'd have future generations of oxygen. And I would also bring a library of the greatest text of mankind so it could be passed down to the next generation. I think I'm right there with you. I would want my library with me for sure. So I'm super curious about this next question because you are one of 